Welcome to the Pursuit of Progress podcast, where we dive into the stories, successes, strategies, and even failures of personal trainers and entrepreneurs in the fitness industry who have gone through it all in trying to make this whole fitness industry personal training thing work. And I'm excited for today's guest because we truly have our first international guest on the podcast, Jay Copley. Welcome to the podcast. What's going on? Nice to, nice to, nice to be on here. Hey, you know what? Uh, it's probably nice for other people to hear such a handsome, deep voice. I'm going to imagine for, especially for the audio listeners, they're immediately going to go look it up and be like, wow, this guy already sounds, he sounds very smart. Um, <laughs> love it. Uh, so, hey, you know what? I'm just trying to keep it fun and exciting on here. And, uh, and for those who are listening, I had the massive benefit of getting to meet Jay um, this past year at a techno gym event where we both, you know, we both had a, a great time getting whisked off to Italy and, and all that a uh, techno gym puts on. But honestly, probably one of my favorite parts of the event was just getting to hear more about Jay's story again, not just because he's got a smooth British accent, but because it's truthfully a very fun, uh, and honestly, very relatable for me having gone through opened a fitness studio, been through some of the entrepreneurial challenges and journeys, um, and just to see all that he's doing, which is super cool. So first off, Jay, I'm just here to brag about you. I hope you're ready for that. No, honestly, before we even get started, let me just tell you now a little bit about Joe. <laughs> I, I, no, no, sorry. He's reversing I, the podcast. No, no, I, I support, I've got to say before we get going. I've never met someone who on paper, if you saw what Joe was like talking about at this event, you might be a bit like, it sounds interesting, but it's not going to like blow my mind. <laughs> Swear to God, like this geezer can make any, like there was this whole workshop about isometrics and the title was literally just like isometrics and something else. Like nothing exciting, like nothing that would make you be like, wow, the way he taught this, I swear to you. I was part, I was just there going, this is unbelievable. Like, I've never met anybody who talks about an isometric hold with such color and passion <laughs> and hold the attention of about 60 people in a room as much as Joe. And I honestly thought I was like, you genuinely are probably one of, one of the best teachers and instructors that I've ever come across because I've been in those things many times before and you are literally there going, I'm listening. I'm listening because you're listening because you feel like you have to, because you need to learn. Whereas you made it so much more. I get to learn. This is so interesting. And I went away from it and it was just fun. It was playful. I learned a lot and it was just, and I don't think I really told you that at the time, but I just thought I'd tell you now because it was phenomenal. It was so good. Hey, I love it. I'm going to have to have you back on just to compliment me more often <laughs> because it's not usually an occurrence on here, but uh, I dig it. <laughs> and, uh, and as it exists right now, and, and Jay, I know you, uh, you know, uh, from our conversations, have your hands in like quite a few things, even outside the fitness industry, which I think is really cool. Um, but your primary role is the chief of fitness for Grindhouse. Um, yeah. which again was super cool to be there at the event. I'm like, ah, oh, I've heard of that place before. And then to, <laughs> to, you know, to get to hear the story, but, uh, and for those of you guys who may or may not, especially, you know, let's say in the States, um, know more about Grindhouse, uh, I would say definitely has been very much like an international brand, um, mm -hmm. in regards to not just high-end boutique fitness, but also all that you guys are doing in the online space with the app and the technology side of things, you know, you guys have your own wearable technology as well. That's correct. Yeah. 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 
and, uh, and, uh, and then also running your own brand, right? I mean, you, you know, as we were talking before we jumped on here today, you know, still have some, uh, some clients that you work with, um, were a, uh, you were a Marine commando, right? Roy, you're one of the Royal commandos. Yeah. That, that's kind of how, how it all started off. To be honest, it was a classic story of a kid at school. Didn't really know what he was going to do. Dad never made it in the military. So somehow gaslighted his son into joining the military. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to sit here and say, like, you know, I was born and bred. I loved it from the start. It it literally started. We, we're talking about like daddy issues here. It literally started <laughs> watching an advert about the Royal Marines, thinking this looks hard as nails. And my dad being like, "Yeah, I don't think you could do that." And then somehow, it was one of those moments where, when I was there, I was like, "I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here? How did this happen?" Honest, honestly, I remember like the first day, right? This is a little story. The first day that I joined, for so those who don't know, Royal Marines Commando is like an elite fighting force in the UK. And you, when you join, the, the slogan is 99.9% .9 need not apply. And obviously, you know, you think to yourself, my God, you've got to be a real person to kind of pass that. And I remember on my first day, I knew nothing. I couldn't even iron. I couldn't even iron. I never <laughs> myself, like no idea. And I remember I rocked up and no word of a lie, the corporal of my troop was called Corporal Payne. Genuinely, that Corporal was his Payne. Corporal <laughs> Payne. And I turned up and I didn't know how to address um, people in the military. I didn't, didn't know how it all worked. I literally had no idea. I was just like a fit, in-shape guy who thought it was just all physical. And I rocked yep. up. And I'll never forget the first day. And there's 70 people. Every two weeks, they take on 70 new people. And there was these wardrobes, 35 one side, 35 the other. And they all had your name on. And it says, like, recruit, whatever. And I swear, I could not find mine. I couldn't find my name. So I went up to this guy. I don't know how to address. So I went, <laughs> I went, oi, mate. And he went, I didn't. And I was, he looked at me and I thought, I don't know what I've done wrong there, but you don't look pleased. And I went, oi, mate, I can't find my name. And he said, if you can't find your name, stand by. Don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Stand by, stand by what? I have no idea. Turn around <laughs> and I just hear a whistle. And he's like, Copley. And I walk over and my name is on this wardrobe. And he just went and just clocked me, like proper clocked me. And I remember just being like this and thinking, oh my God. I'm in like a, this is a man's world. I was like, this is way back in the day. I was like, oh my God, I'm in a man's world. And in that moment, I remember thinking, what am I doing here? How has this happened? Why am I here? And it's just literally, yeah, the weirdest entry to military ever. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, there's a, that's a pretty big wake up call. Um, <laughs> well, and so for you too, obviously, and I can relate as well. You know, I, I never ended up in the service, but came from somewhat of a service family and the physicality of the armed services was like something that was kind of attractive to me, especially as a young male, never made it in there, but obviously went into the fitness side. How did that, how did that kind of parlay into you getting into fitness and training? Right. I think, especially for people who are listening, I think it's not only fun, but I think it's helpful to understand. It's like, okay, here's this guy, here's all the things that he's doing now. Um, you know, I enterprise level entrepreneur, multiple businesses. Um, how did you get into fitness and training from, the Royal Marine Commandos? Was it you got out and that was the first job you got into? Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, so when I was when I was in the Marines, I wanted to be a, a PTI. 
So I wanted to train new recruits to kind of go through their training. That was always my goal. And I got injured and I got met. Well, I got medically discharged. It was either you could stay in and be like a clerk or a stores. Like I wouldn't be able to be a, a general duties Royal Marine anymore. And I was like, I yeah. can't continue being here if I can't do what I want to do. So I left. And, you know, luckily when you leave, they have to make sure they put you on some sort of course. They won't let you leave without a job. So they have to get yeah. you on something. So I was like, you know, I'm good at fitness. I enjoy it. I don't know what I'm going to be like instructing. I have, I've never trained anybody one-on-one. -on -one. I've never taught a class. I have no idea. And again, went on that course. Like what I just said to you then, it was like a snooze fest. It was like, I have to learn this to get what I need. But yeah. like if I had one like you on there, it would have been, my, genuinely, my entry to fitness would have been much more enjoyable. Like I think I would have thought this is going to be an amazing career. But I remember getting into it just thinking, I just need something to pay the bills. Like I need to pay my bills and fitness seems like the next kind of route. So I remember I joined and I think I know how a lot of PTs start out in the UK is they'll join like chain gyms. So, you know, Virgin Active or uh, like a pure gym or some big chain gym. Yeah, I was lucky I didn't. I went straight into a one-to-one -one personal training private facility. I was lucky the guy who owned it, his best friend was in the Royal Marines. So he kind of took a liking to me I was like, I have no qualifications, bar my PT level three, and he took me yeah. on. And for anybody out there who's just starting as a PT, it kind of, the first lesson you realize is how much you have to adapt who you are and how you train people depending on the person in front of you. Because the first six months of being a PT, let me tell you now, I did not really get any clients because I was still Romery mentality. My thing was, you want to get in shape and you've paid me money. So just do as I say. It should, it should, be, black, it should be black and white. So when people yeah. would go away and they'd come back, oh, I haven't lost weight or I haven't done this. I, I couldn't understand. I didn't understand it. I was like, I don't get it. You, you, you're paying money. You're coming to me. You're not doing it. This doesn't make sense. And it took about six months to really start to break it down and understand like, if you want to get better at reading, understanding and learning about people, being a one-to-one -one coach, it's like a part-time therapist. Like it's, it's such an underappreciated job role. It really is. I think people think being a PT is like, yeah, you just do bicep curls and you train people. It's like, dude, it is so much deeper than that. People literally, the stuff they tell you and talk to you about goes far beyond learning the biomechanics of a deadlift, far beyond. And I didn't realize that when I first started, but then when yeah. it grew into it, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably my more favorite part of the job now. Yeah. Well, and I don't think, I don't think anyone's ready. I think all, I think, especially if you do get into it when you're younger, I, you know, same, I was probably the same age. You're still focused on the fitness, right? You're just trying to, if you're, you know, probably like me, I'm like, how do I gain the next 10 pounds of muscle? I'm just trying to get yeah. jacked. Um, and so you train people the same way, you know, eating chicken and broccoli for every meal is easy. Cause you got no responsibilities in life as a young person. You're like, why aren't you doing it? Um, yeah, so I think that's super common. And then, yeah, then you start working with real people and you're like, oh, wow, this is, uh, it's a little different, um, oh, you know, different challenges. And honestly, none of the qualifications And I know, again, it's, it's different, a different process in the UK than it is in the U S but a lot of similarities in what gets covered in client psychology and those pieces, no one's talking about it. Right. Oh, massively. I think that's, I think the, the, the best lesson that I would say for anybody starting out don't just work at like at my gym, there was a few trainers and the deal was whoever walked through the door, 
if you just so happened to be by the door, that was your <laughs> And there were certain trainers. Get them! Get them! They <laughs> and what used to make me laugh is that there were certain trainers who were probably a bit more established and certain people would walk in and they'd be like, nah. Because they've built up this thing where like, I only want to work with this style of people. And I was guilty of that when I first started doing uh, personal training. It was, oh, I only want to train people who are already in shape, who already know what they're doing. If you want to become a top level proficient trainer, have that mindset. Whoever comes through the door, take them. Because I'm like, you will upskill yourself. Don't get me wrong. You can go on courses. You can pay money to get your level four and do all these different things, which you should do, which is still amazing. But you'll never get more education from the person walking through the door, different shapes, different sizes, different ability in the gym. Take the person who's never done a barbell squat before. And yes, it can be a bit painful. Yes, it can be a bit like, oh my God. But the results that you will give that person and the feeling of success that you'll get yourself through coaching that person to literally go from never squatting to the perfect squat pattern, like that's what coaching is all about. Not taking someone who's 80% there and you just want to get the last 20% because it's easy. It's no, take the person who's at 10% and build that person up if you're looking to upskill yourself as a trainer. It's like, it's the best thing I ever did. The best thing. That's great. And how did that, how did that turn into you? I mean, I know we were talking before, uh, as well that, you know, obviously you love personal training. You've continued that throughout. That's really how you got into things. But then I know from being with you at the event, you know, a big part of what launched you into the creation of Grindhouse and the, the, the journey for the app and everything else that was happening during the pandemic was your time working at Barry's. So how did that happen? How did you go from one-on-one -on -one in a private studio, right? You went right in there, which is hard for a lot of people to do and succeed and did well there over time. How did that then turn into you becoming a group instructor, um, which are two very different things? How'd that happen for you? Yeah, so it was, it's, uh, it's an interesting story. So I remember I was about 24 and I've been doing personal training for around about three years. And mm. I'd never, I'd, I'd obviously I was in London and before then I lived in Scotland. So Scotland and London is like very different. Life <laughs> so I moved to London and I just started to get good, good money for a, for a 22, 23 year old. Yeah. And life just took me in a direction where I took my eyes off coaching and I was going out, I was partying, I was drinking, I was doing all the things that you shouldn't do, but all the things a young 23, 24 year old wants to do in London. The problem is, is that obviously you are in service to your clients. Your clients are paying you money for a service. I was turning up to these sessions, smelling of alcohol, not in, not in a great mental state. You know, I'd say it sounds silly, but do 10 reps and they've done 20. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I was falling asleep. Like I just wasn't on it. And yeah. as time went on, clients were leaving me and they were leaving me for reasons that because I didn't want to admit it to myself that I was kind of messing up a little bit. They were leaving me and I was going, oh, it's them. They've gone, whatever. And then <laughs> one time this guy, really powerful guy, high net worth. He owned the company called Ticketmaster and I, I loved him. He was one of the last few trainers that, sorry, the last few clients I was training. And I walked in one day. And he just turned to me and just said, if you rock up to a session with me again, smelling of alcohol, he's like, I'm leaving. Everyone else who, because I trained people who, who work for him too, we're all going to leave. This is ridiculous. 
And I remember being like, oh my God. And then I actually got fired. I got fired from the PT facility that I was working at. And I was like, oh my God. I then moved in with this guy and this guy started going to Barry's boot camp. And it had been around in the UK for like, sorry, in America for years. And it was opening up in the UK. And this guy was like, why don't you go and be a trainer there? And I was like, Bar- Barry, Barry's boot camp. <laughs> but the most uncool name I've ever heard. Yeah. Barry, this is not going to do well. Yeah, I, like some bloke called Barry. It sounds like a 1997 like fitness DVD. I'm like, no, it's not awful. <laughs> and then he went, you don't have a job. And I was like, fair, fair point. So True. I went there and I remember I did a class and this guy was like cheesy pop, Taylor Swift. He was like, yeah. And I was like, this is not me. This is not what I love. I love learning, as I said, like the more the biomechanics of things. Like I enjoyed the PT. I enjoyed the one-to-one. I'm going to coach a room of 50 people, listen to Taylor Swift playing cheesy pop music and everyone's got the t-shirts off. I was like, no, thanks. And then I found out that they paid per person that came to your class. And I was like, hmm, okay. So if I get 50 people in the room, I'll get X amount of money, which was way more than I'd ever made doing one-to-one PT. And I thought, well, I don't have a job. So I was like, cool, I'll just, I'll just join. And literally I did my training Monday to Friday I was so arrogant. I turned up for like three of the days. I didn't even do all five because I was still in that phase of being a bit like, eh. And then on the Saturday, the lady who was training me said, do you want to teach a class on Saturday? And I was like, huh? Huh? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I remember just thinking like, just go for it. And weirdly, if I hadn't have done that, I don't think I'd have got the job because they needed a trainer to fill that slot. And I was like, I still don't know what I'm doing. I've got to manage treadmills, floor, music. I've got to time the treadmills and time the floor. And oh my God. And I remember the day of it, there was like 40 people because it was very popular. They weren't yeah. there just because the brand was popular. And I remember standing behind the corner and I was like the closest I've ever been to having a panic attack. I was like, <laughs> I've never done this before. I've done training for like three days that wasn't even really training. Like the training now to be a Barry's instructor is like a month. Back then, this is like 2007, no, 14. I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. People were coming into the class and I was like, welcome to the boot camp of Jerry, Jay, Harry. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. It was the worst class I've ever taught. Like it was so bad that my first ever class, um, I remember we had this thing at Barry's where you say, don't straddle the treadmill. Don't jump off the sides. On people were wiping off the treadmill. People were just on bodies on the floor like this. And I was just like, they're never going to ask me back. They're never going to ask me to come back. And then luckily they did. And I think they did because they needed a trainer, not because I was the right guy. (laughs) (laughs) Seven years later, that was it. Hey, benefit of being in the the right place at the right time and just rolling with it. And then you ended up actually, you know, you ended up, let's not, let's not pretend like you didn't do well there. You ended up going on and really like pushing a lot of their education, right? Like training others to become instructors. Is that correct? Yeah. So they obviously they had, when Barry's first started, it was just trainer. There was no levels as the company grew. I think there was now seven locations just in London alone when I'd left and it really grown. Obviously we had the opportunity to go to, you know, LA and Australia and New York even like Sweden, Norway, Milan, like we went all over the place. It was amazing. And then they started to have these roles. So mine was the, one of the master trainers. And yeah, the whole point was when new trainers were coming in, it was kind of teaching trainers the way that you wanted to be taught. Um, just going off on a tangent a little bit with that, if anybody does kind of group training at the moment, 
What I would say is, is just really explore yourself and who you are as an instructor, because it's like learning to drive a car. When you learn to drive a car, you have to learn mirror signal maneuver, both hands on the steering wheel. You've got to do all the things to pass the test. Once that is done, start to explore who you are as a trainer, because the reason why people will come to my class or Joe's class is because they like Joe and they like the way that Joe does it. Yeah, he's got great music. He's got a good voice. He knows what he's doing. But really, they do it because they like Joe's energy. Me and Joe could be teaching the exact same class, same class, same curriculum in the same space with the same exact clients, but they will enjoy the class for different reasons. So I think in that respect, when it comes to being a, a trainer, the thing I learned then when I was coaching other people was literally coaching that, bringing that out of them. Because teaching someone to do the class probably takes you about a week. Then after a week of knowing the bare, the bare kind of nuts and bolts of what to do, the hard part is letting yourself go, be, being you, because that's why people are going to buy into it, because they want you. Like, I want the way Joe taught his workshops in techno gym. Like, that's what I want. But I don't, someone else who does it, it I'd be like, oh my God, this is so boring. But someone else might enjoy that, that style. I doubt it, but they might do. But I enjoy the way that Joe would do it. So I'd say like in that role, when we became the master trainers and all the young people who are coming up, that was the key thing that we really tried to drill in with them. It's like, if you like rock music, play rock music. If that's what you genuinely vibe to and you enjoy yeah. it, play like play that. Just be, be yourself, so to speak. We just let that come out. But that was a really interesting part. And that was probably the first, the first phase of understanding on a much deeper level not just clients. I don't ever dealt with clients before, but now dealing with teaching trainers how to train clients. And that was the kind of next step. Yeah. And how do you feel like that impacted even your personal training? Right. And I, the reason I asked that is because I'm a strong believer in the benefit of being able to do both, right? You get to a place where if you can, if you can coach a group class of 40 people, and have them on point with their exercises, with your coaching cues, with everything, you get back to one person and it's easy, right? You can focus on other stuff. So up until that point, you hadn't really done group classes, right? And then obviously that became a big part of what you did. So how did that play into, how did that impact or did it impact like your one-on-one? -on -one? Um, you know, talk to me about that a little bit. It was definitely doing one-on-one -on -one became way more fun. Because when you do group training, group training is great, but there's only so much you can do. So for example, like I've only got this amount of time in the class. You're like an you're like a conductor. You're conducting the orchestra. That's what you're doing in a class. You need yeah. to make sure the first and foremost thing that you're able to do is that class runs smoothly. That's the main thing you need to be able to do. If Sally is doing a squat in the wrong way, it's like if you've got time to get to Sally and help her, get to her. But if that stops you from running the smooth class, you, you just can't because that is your, your role first and foremost. So what happens is, is that you would see people in class and you'd be like, oh, she, she just did this. If she like even something really simple, like the way some people were squatting, I'm like, oh, my God, if you just put some plates underneath your heels, your squat pattern will be so much better. Like it'll be so much better. But in class, you haven't really got time to do that all the time. And the really beautiful thing was is after each class is you would go up to those people that you saw and go, do you mind if you just hang back for five minutes after class? I'm so sorry. Like, I just want to take you through the deadlift. I just want to show you how to do it because I think once you've got it, you'll really understand it and you'll get it. Seeing that person after class and taking that time with them and having that light bulb moment where they kind of went, 
oh my God, like it's really not, not that hard. What it meant was, is that when I went back to doing one-on-one -on -one people, I was so much more patient. <laughs> I was so much more patient because I was like, I've got all this time and I've just got you. And if you don't get it right the first time, it's fine. Because the class environment I've just been at, I've watched people for three months do it wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> so being able to go back now to these people and being able to teach them the right way, it felt like, it felt quite light. And it just felt really like good to be able to go, oh my God, I can coach you because I don't know about you. I can't speak for everybody. Don't speak for myself. When I was doing a lot of PT, there is no way if I had, let's say 10 clients in one day, they were not getting all the same amount of time. I'd say clients one to three had my focus. Clients four, five, six, I'd drop off a little bit. I might perk up a little bit, seven, eight, drop off a nine and 10. It's, it's impossible to keep it like this. But when you got, from the class environment went back to doing the one-on-one -on -one people you were able to focus a little bit more because it does feel a lot easier doing it and as long as you understand they're both separate things they're not the same they're both separate things and they both give their own complete enjoyment and that's why i say to anybody don't lose both things don't just become a you know all class instructor and not doing the pt because either one of them when you get a bit frustrated with pt you're like oh, i've got this to lean on and when group classes gets a bit annoying, you're like, oh, I can go back to my PT. It's nice to kind of have both. Yeah, and I like that. I think we've both been around long enough to see people do a mixture of, right? People who only do one-on-one, some who try to only do classes, and then those maybe who kind of go in between. And I think the thing that I found is that the ability, and maybe there's a personality element to this as well. Like I realized for me, there's a certain element of variety in my work that I enjoy. I think if I was only doing one thing, Right. Mm -hmm. If I was only doing this podcast, I would get sick of it. Right. Um, but I think the same thing with training, you know, cause we've done, we've all done that, been there eight, 10 sessions in a row, one-on-one. -on -one. And then on the flip side, and I'm sure you've experienced this with Grindhouse. I know when we opened up our studio, I did teaching six, seven classes in a day and you're just wrecked because classes just require so much of your energy if you're going to deliver, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's really tough, I think, to make a career out of doing only one of those because of you just can't manage your energy the same way. No, 100%. I think it's, uh, we get, as you would say, the sort of dollar signs in your eyes. It may look good on paper that you're like, I can make all this money. You can make, I'm telling you now, you'll make money in the short term, not in the long term, because this is what I've learned in my experience the best amount of classes that I taught in a week was like 16. So it was only, that's across like seven days. So I would do two one day, four the next day, have a day off and kind of work it like this. It kind of worked out quite nicely. I remember, again, the dollar signs in my eyes. I thought, you know, maybe I was saving up for something and I would do like 25 classes. What happens is those 25 classes, I probably didn't earn that much more money than the 16 because what happened was my performance, my out, which is kind of a performance, and my output wasn't as good. Therefore, I wasn't getting enough people in those classes. So take, for example, my 16 classes were, let's say, they were probably like 90 to 100% capacity. When yeah. I stretched to 25, it dropped to like 65, 70. So on paper, like I'm doing 25 classes, but no one can give that much of themselves and keep it at that level. And people know that because... Boutique fitness is expensive and you must respect the customer who is coming to your facility, parting ways with that, their hard earned money. They want the top level from you. 
And I'm telling you now, in this crowded market, if they don't get it from you and get it from your studio, they will go somewhere else. So although you can get a bit like, I want to earn more money, it's like, trust me, it doesn't work out like that. Like, do what you feel good with. Do what gives you excitement. Don't be doing classes where you're like, I've got to do this one. If it's your own business and you're starting out, ignore everything I just said. You're yeah, a slave. Just, you you're just going to do it. If you've got the option to pick, like, trust me, like it's, if you're at a level where you've been doing it for a while and you're thinking about expanding up, you, I think you'll start to drop off a little bit personally. Yeah. And the, the last piece that I'll, I'll say on that, I think in regards, especially to the group classes training, because I just really like the ability to do both for a lot of people. It's not for everybody, but mm -hmm. I think is that even as you look at that, right, there's my, there's, there's how you start and then there's where you're trying to go. And I yeah. think the other benefit of getting to like what you said, aside from your energy management of only having so much, obviously the nice thing about group classes is it's a consistent block. You know, you're going to get paid. One-on-one -on -one doesn't have that, even though your group classes might be variable. But I think over time, you do. I think the benefit of holding on to that, you're in front of a lot of people. You have a lot of potential one-on-one -on -one clients that you're accessing because of the groups. Um, but over time, there's a benefit of having that be limited, right? You know, again, if you, like you said, if you're available for 20 classes a week instead of eight, well, you know, then there's less need to maybe want J one-on-one -on -one as well, right? So I think that's just the the equation that you're kind of weighing out as you continue on in the industry, kind of doing both things. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. Like if you are someone who does both, it's a perfect point. You're an audience full of people. Like I said before, if someone's not doing a deadlift, right, it will mean the world to them. If you pull them to one side, what, what do you think the, the next natural progression is? You can't deadlift. I'm going to help you after class. Oh, I can't do this. How do I learn how to do this? Oh, I, I also do one-to-one -one coaching. It's a very easy transition, but you've got to get that part right in the middle where it's like, if you can make somebody feel seen in that class, you know their name, you learn something about them, or you just help them in that moment. You have that point of contact, whether it's touch or whether it's verbal, but just something. That person, if you want to turn them into a one-to-one, -one, whether it be online or in person, it's a beautiful segue into making that happen. Beautiful. And I want to transition a little bit into getting into more of like, uh, like what you're up to now and kind of how that transpired as well. Cause first off, I just think it's a cool story that people will benefit from hearing. Um, you know, again, if someone finds you, you know, they, they follow the links in the show or they find you on social media and they go, oh, this guy's like, Hey, he's got pretty, they got like a decent little following. I look at grindhouse like, Oh wow. Like, you know, there's this, this like, you know, massively growing entity and people and technology and app and everything that's there as well. Um, but you had an interesting transition into all of that, right? I mean, cause yeah. you were working at Barry's boot camp, and then, then the lovely pandemic hit and <laughs> What happened? So what I would say is, before I go into this story, keep in mind, you, you have to focus in your journey on delivering a good service to people always. So just remember that as I go through this story. People, think, just people, people, people. people so when people. the pandemic hit, it was barriers are under no obligation. You're a self-employed trainer. It's not their fault. They're under no obligation to help you they are a business who are trying to keep their own head above water. So there was no ill, in, Ill feeling towards them. It's like, dude, you got to do what you got to do. But he's like, yeah. so we, 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 I'd never taught online in my life. I'd never done online coaching. I'd never spoken to the camera and taught. No idea. It's only in person. That was it. 
pandemic hit and I remember just being like, okay, I've got a little bit of savings, but it was a mixture of, I want to provide something for people because A, I'm a bit bored. I also miss, you, you kind of forget when you're a group instructor, yes, the people get a lot from the class from you, you get so much from them. And when you don't do it and when you don't have it, you realize how much of an impact that has on your day. Think of how many people you come into contact with every day. Now you're in pandemic, you're sitting in your one bedroom flat in central London and you're just like, oh, this sucks. And I want to get connection again with people. And I saw people were doing their own things and they were putting these platforms out. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is great. It's fitness is really popping off. Like, let's face it, everybody became a fitness professional in COVID. Like everybody did. Yeah. Everyone's running like, classes. Oh my God. It was like, you run Instagram. It was like a sea of like, lives everybody just going grab your water bottles and your cans of beans still work out (laughs) but i remember thinking like with instagram this is great this is the platform i want to use because i can connect with people let's say i just filmed the workout and sent a link to people yeah I'm, i'm providing a service to people and they're getting to do my workouts but i don't get that connection with these people anymore so how can i monetize off that i remember thinking how can i monetize off instagram like it's a free platform where you're just doing lives, like you know. So for the first week, I basically started a Instagram page and said, "Look, anybody wants to turn up, do a workout. I'll be here at seven a.m. every day, you know, in my kitchen, roll out a mat, grab a pair of dumbbells, and here we go." Obviously, I was very lucky that my following from Barry's people were joining in, and the first session I ever had, you know, it was a few hundred people who were doing it, and I remember being like, "This, this is it. This, this, this is what I need to do." Not because of the workout. Like when I tell you now, my, my phone was glitching. It was like, I think I live on a canal in, in London, in a flat, not a boat. And uh, there was like parking, <laughs> swans going off, people shouting. I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. But it was the comment section. It was the, that little comment section was the first start of an online community. It was just popping off. And it was people with weird Instagram names, like, hey, Penguin Whiskers. How are you? And it was popping off. And I was like, this is really cool. But again, the thing is, how can I monetize off this? Because yes, I want to provide a service, but like with all things, like I need to make money. So then I thought I made the, uh, the Instagram page private. So for the first week, it's open. Anybody can join. After the week, it's going to go private. If anybody else after that point, so for the first people, fine. After that point, just pay me 15 pounds a month and I'll deliver a class to you like $25, a class to you every single day at 7 a.m. And I remember thinking, I was like, if I get like, you know, 10 people a week for a month and I get like 50 people, I'm like, that's kind of nearly my rent covered. Like I'm half the way there. Like I was thinking like that. It was an unprecedented times. Didn't know what to expect. I remember after a week, it was like 200 people. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And it was just the best community. There I was at 7 a.m. every single day doing lower body, upper body, total body, booty workouts, ab workout, cardio, like everything. And I had the same, I'd say the same 50 people doing it live and then the other people doing it kind of at different times. But the same 50 people, same names. Every morning, the same people. And it was this online community of people who many of them had never met each other. And weirdly, many of them went to Barry's boot camp but had never interacted with one another. They just recognized the profile pictures. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, they were chatting away. And I got so much from this. And I think they did too. And it was incredible. 
And it literally grew. I think the most amount of members I had was like just under a thousand. And I remember just thinking, it's I was crazy. like, it was amazing. And then it went from there, from London. I then, the borders opened up in London. I flew to Ibiza and I worked out in Ibiza for two months. And at first I didn't know how people would take it. I thought they'd feel a bit like, bitter that like i'm on a beach and they're in this guy where is he doing literally i was thinking yeah this is gonna go and it was amazing it actually i got more subscriptions from people when i went to ibiza and then i went to dubai after that because it was like i was taking them with me and it wasn't just the workout it was like i did a little pre-chat before and a post-chat afterwards everything went wrong that could have got wrong like everything went wrong i had one time in ibiza Bearing in mind, you're still trying to have an element of professionalism. And there were these people in a place called Cannes Soleil. And the guy who owns Cirque du Soleil has a massive plot of land there. And he throws the wildest parties in Ibiza. And obviously, you know, I'm just out in the wilderness. Like I'm there, and there's a beach behind me and these rocks. When I tell you now, there was about four or five people high off their face on acid. And they were all just around me like this when I was trying to do the workout. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Uh, and you know you know the people watching just loved it well that's the thing like again the professional part of you is thinking it's all going wrong like i need i'm offering this service this is going so badly i just keep stopping my workout because it was live there's no do-overs it's just and i remember just thinking oh my god and it was the first time where the comments were just blowing off and this is hilarious some people were tuning in and (laughs) doing the workout and again, it was, it was the real importance of community where we realized what then led us on to do Grindhouse was just how people and community for us, I'm not saying for everybody, is the most important thing for us and what ultimately builds the brand that we have today. It's people, community, offering a service to people that is, yes, of a high quality, but also those people feel seen and that they know that you know who they are you know what the name of their dog is or who their partner is or in that short term, obviously as a company grows, it's very hard to keep hold of that. But that short term, you need a core group of say 80 to hundred people. That core group will, will grow your entire business massively. That's awesome. And then I know over time, you know, you, uh, you got some other people involved in what it was that you were doing. And that was kind of the, the, you know, essentially the launch point for, all that you guys have now, right? Yeah, so it, but it started that we, uh, me and my friends were all doing our own platforms, but individually. So ironically, we were all in Ibiza. We all went together, but it was like, Louis was doing his awesome program. Connor was doing icons. I was doing, it was called The Collective. And then one day we were just like, why, why are we all doing this individually? This is really weird. Like we're all best friends. Like, why don't we just do something together? So we all came together and we, sell, we sold a ticketed event. To a live workout with the three of us and we were like oh, we can get like 20 30 people to buy a ticket and we'll do this and we went to this plush five-star hotel in ibiza and everyone needed exposure because it was covid so they kind of they wouldn't let us there now but they let us there and we rolled out that time we're all standing there we had like 500 people who bought a ticket to the first workout so i'm telling you now again talking about professionalism the first workout uh connor threw up Louis passed out, like fully passed out from heat exhaustion. Yeah. On camera, and I was just standing there trying to keep it together, just shouting at them. And it was chaos. It was absolute chaos. But from that, again, the community, we were like, it was the rumblings. 
And we knew that if we didn't level up, we were going to get swallowed ultimately by the other people who after COVID had seen the online fitness market grow. And, yeah. you know, Nike, Les Mills, um, even Barry's Peloton, like they were growing and growing and becoming these absolute colossal giants. We were like, ah, well, the Instagram platform may be cute now, but when this all is over, we need to level up. So we all literally in short came together and said, we're going to go all in. We're going to build a business together. We're going to film workouts. We're going to have, we have this really rubbish website to begin with. And then we just, we needed investment. So let's, let's just do this. Let's just go all in. And because you know what, if it doesn't work out as a fitness professional, you've got the skills to go back to being a group trainer, to go back to doing PT, which I still do to this day, by the way, because I still love it. But there's no fear. We, we have a skill that we can take anywhere and we can apply it anywhere and we can start again. So we were just like, let's just give it a go. Let's just go. And the reason why I say people is because we needed a 1.6 million pound investment. And we only got that because of people. We only got that because the connections that we built all throughout our Barry's careers, all throughout the pandemic, people built Grindhouse. We had the idea and we're the ones who kind of got the ball rolling. But the people who solidified what Grindhouse is, is community and people. And without them, we wouldn't have what we have today. So all those times where, you know, you took Sally to one side and you you helped her with her deadlift. You don't know. Sally could, ten, could 10x your life. You've got no idea. And just carrying that through, PT and group training, if we hadn't have done that all throughout our career, we wouldn't exist. If we were just five people saying, we have an idea, we have a concept, like give us some money. Loads of people do that. It's the relationships that we forged over seven years that built that business. And if we hadn't have done that step by step, there were people who were giving us like a huge amount of money, huge amount of money to help us to get going. I'm like, oh my God, like you're just, you know, Charlie who came to my class for four years. I had no idea. Like, wow. And that's when you're like, you're the body of work that you do in that time. That's, that was the best thing for us. Huge. Well, and I, I think there's two, to me, there's two massive, well, there's a lot of stuff that we could unpack from what you just talked about, which is just, like I said, I, that's the story I wanted people to hear because I think it's a, it's just crazy how, if you just take, you start taking action on things and things just unfold, right? I think, you know, the history will continue to favor those who just take action without really knowing what it's going to lead to, because there were a lot of coaches and trainers who didn't do anything during the pandemic, or maybe they like, they tried a little bit, but they were afraid to really put, you know, put themselves out there. Um, but I think it's an indication and it's not a brand new thing, but I think the pandemic, I saw it even more visually with social media and it's been happening for the last decade, but just the power of you, the power of your personal brand and building a brand. I mean, we're at a place where, although there are giants out there in the industry, like Peloton, like Equinox, whatever, I think the brands of the future are built on relationships and connections. And that was, I think kind of the cool thing is, you know, again, you have, these crazy things that happen throughout history. And usually there's opportunity in there. And, you know, people were looking for connection. They were looking for a distraction, right? All these things. And, you know, you guys obviously provided all of that um, and weren't afraid to kind of keep taking action and trying to do what you're doing. Uh, but I think that's cool because I, I, I totally agree. I think people, even now with Grindhouse, you know, and mostly because I was following Grindhouse before we met. And then since we, you know, since we met, I stalked it even more. Um, <laughs> and there's no doubt like the Grindhouse 
itself is now a brand that's bigger than all of you guys, but mm. your brands are still really powerful in that company. You know, as I look around at all the content, all that you guys are doing with Gymshark now and on YouTube and social media, everything, like the personalities are a big piece of that. And I don't think that's going to go away in fitness um, because it's, it's like, it's this, right? It's like mm. what keeps people come back in is it's, it's you, it's Jay. Copley. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very that. It's like on, if, on our Instagram, so that's a great point, is if you were to scroll right down to the bottom of our Instagram, it, it was like, hey, come and train with me. <laughs> like, it's terrible. It's terrible because it was like we were in a new market, a new space. We'd never been online before. We didn't know how to act. And it's all about growing out of your comfort zone, as cheesy as that sounds. It really is. I was comfortable with my little Instagram platform with the people that I knew. And I was like, I'm good here. I feel safe. They know me. I know how to work this. This is great. The moment I killed that and then moved to Grindhouse, oh my God, it was so bad. It was so bad at the start because everything was like, we didn't know how to brand. Our logo was like something a child had drawn. Like it was so bad but you only learn, you keep learning from, from your mistakes, but you keep growing along the way. Don't worry about if you haven't got it, you know, right at the very, very start. And the whole point of, you know, being true to who you are, if anybody goes on our Instagram now and looks at our content, it's, some of it's outrageous. Like it, it's outrageous in the way that you look at it and you just think there are five people who are just, they know who they are, they're secure in who they are, and they're giving that off to the world. And if you want to stand out, weirdly, people are trying to stand out by being like everybody else. They're all doing the same things, talking the same language, like everyone's doing the same things. People crave authenticity. And authenticity is not someone go, I'm going to be really authentic with you guys. When people say that, they're, what they're about to say is not authentic. But just by being you, yeah. and that, even the content that we put out, even sometimes I look at the content because I don't do the marketing. I look at yeah. it and I'm like, oh my God. Like, oof, like, I don't know about this. Yeah, I'm like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like, what are we doing? And then you just <laughs> see the comments and people are just laughing. And like, oh. That's what people want. We as Grindhouse, again, this is just the way that we think and it's our mantra. It's not, you know, universal. We did not want to be the stale robotic trainer who just offered a service that didn't go beyond the connection. It was just, I'm a body. I will teach you how to get your body from A to B, or I'll teach you how to move in different patterns, or I will motivate you somewhat in a generic way. We wanted to be five people who said, I am going to motivate and instruct in this style and in this way. If you don't like that, with all due respect, that is absolutely fine. There are four other trainers who cover different motivation and different teaching styles that you can go to. But when you find your niche and what you are good at, what which we've done, we just go all in, go all in. And then we've built an authentic community because now we know the people who follow us and interact with us, they do so because they want to interact with five authentic people who are just being themselves. Whereas imagine one day we were just being the kind of, you know, stale robotic fitness people. Let's say some people do buy into that. And then one day you go, I can't wear this mask anymore. I want to be me. You be you. And you're like, well, you've, you've just built a brand over like robotic. Hey guys, welcome to... If you want to change that now, like you can, but people might go, Hey, this isn't who I signed up with. Yeah. And I think, I think it's challenging for people, right? I mean, first off you just have to, which is its own journey in itself beyond this podcast is 
getting comfortable with who you are and yeah. like using that instead of shying away from it. It's challenging. I get it. I know it. I've been through it. I'm sure you have too. Um, but to me, like if you can get to that place, that's just the cool power of social media for all the shit. Everyone likes to talk about it. And it's like, ah, it's ruining society. Maybe it is. I don't know. But is if you can find the other people, right? Like you can find the J's you're like, oh, wow. Like I just really connect with the way he talks about stuff. Yeah. Um, now you, you know, you got people from all over the world. We wouldn't be able to access, you know, in that way. So I think that's awesome. I love that. And that's what I love in, you know, and I loved in really diving further into your guys' stuff is it's just very obvious, you know, but yeah. I think the, the part of it is, you know, Hey, no one also, no one really wants to be coached by vanilla Joe because yeah. that's not much fun, right? If you're going to make the gym fun, right? Hard work, fun. Like there's going to have to be something, even if you don't, you don't have to have a, like, you know, be the joke teller. Like some people have a different approach, but there's gotta be something that makes you special. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, even the other day, the other day we had a call with uh, one of our clients and, he was giving us some feedback and he said, you know, I just hate when I'm doing Connor's class and he, he sings. He sings to the lyrics all the time. It annoys me. And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, that would annoy me too. But the whole point is there are people watching his workouts singing along with him. And it's like, loving it. Do you know what I mean? That, that's his thing. And that's why I'm like, if you find your thing, go, just go all in on it. Go all in on that thing. If it's authentically you and that's what you enjoy being like, because as you were just saying then, like, yes, there, you know, with the, with the Vanilla Joe, it's, there's also a case of, there's some people that I follow on Instagram that I've never heard them speak. All they do is they just show me the, the exercise that they're doing. I'm like, I'm here for it. Love it. If they started, actually, there was one guy, this American guy called Joe, weirdly. And he used to just do a carousel. And if I needed some inspiration, I just, you know, I could go on Joe's page, click on it, and he'd have like chest and biceps. And I just... Yep. Scrolled across and I was like, perfect. You know, incline bench press, fly, perfect. I know what I'm getting when yeah. I go to Joe's page. Best believe when Joe started to change and do reels and You're go, like, wait, wait a minute. Oh, you'd be like, hey guys, today I'm going to, I'm like, no, Joe, this is not what I want from you. It's like, not what I signed up for. <laughs> no, I don't follow him anymore because it's like his content just went so far the other way. Now, if that's Joe being authentic with himself, more power to him it's it's yeah. my loss but it's his gain if he's finding out who he is and he enjoys that more totally with that but this is what i mean in terms of finding something that you're really good at for me if joe just stuck doing that i was like he, he's the best I, I didn't i didn't know what his voice sounded like i had no idea so if you're that person too and you're not a personality i think social media can seem somewhat daunting because you think i've got to be like this colorful hey guys i'm doing this with the captions and blah, blah, blah. like joe posted as in joe posted a um a post it was today or was it yesterday and it was like i think this might be the hardest hamstring exercise ever that's all i needed i just need this didn't need you just demonstrated what it was and i was like i'm gonna do that next time i go to the gym you've yeah. got a great <laughs> talking about stuff but also doing that and it's also knowing that didn't doesn't need to be a song and a dance like that needs to just be, I know what I'm getting from that. If you'd have been, hey guys, my name's Joe. And we're, I'd have been like, oh mate, just show me the exercise. He lost me already. Me. Yeah. But you've got a great mix of like what you do and even your YouTube stuff that I remember looking at when I was at the techno gym with them. Because you've got an engaging voice. You're an engaging person. It's like, that's your thing too. When you think about it, it's you and a whiteboard and you're just pointing at things. 
it's Loads not that people. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> We've been doing that since school started with it, just with a piece of chalk and a blackboard. Like you're not doing anything different. You've not recreated the wheel, but the way that you do it for me, I was like, this is engaging. I enjoy this. So also sometimes with the social media space, people thinking constantly like, what do I do? What do I post? Do I have to be this person? It's like, Joe's got a whiteboard and he's just pointing at things and he's talking about his Axiom Academy and it's like, it's engaging. It's nothing different. He's not recreating the wheel here for just for the sake of it. It's simple. Just do it. It's 100%. Yeah. Um, what I'd love to, and maybe this would be kind of like where we'll uh, like shift the conversation a little bit. More so, you know, you mentioned, you know, even when you guys uh, decided to go into an open up grindhouse and how to get investment and there's all these people that you'd, you know, already been connecting with group class members, trainers, whatever. And you had no idea, right? I think that's the coolest thing about training in the gym is it kind of equalizes people and you, you've got people who are in there running, you know, like international corporations next to someone who's waiting tables at the bar next door and they're all working out together, sweating together. Um, I think that's super cool. I love that. Um, yeah. It, and I go ahead. No, no, go, 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 go. I was going to say, and, and I think from that too, is it's like the things you end up getting, especially once you take that, obviously you get to connect with people in the group environment, but then the one-on-one clients. And I know you mentioned working with some obviously very successful high net worth individuals, celebrities along the way. Um, what kinds of stuff have you learned from your clients? I know for me, I've taken a lot, right? Like from business, yeah. from life, from everything. What kinds of things have you taken from the people that you get to work with? Like learning from them versus just training them. Oh, that, that's, that's a great question. Like, I love that. It's There's one guy in particular, and I, I never mention people's names just because I don't think, uh, you never know if they, if they want to be talked about, but let's just call yeah. him Guy. So he literally, even to this day, one of my best friends. And I remember when I used to coach him in a class, he was just this guy in a class and he had the worst form, the worst posture. And I was like, oh my God, this guy is like on another level bad. Like, this is so bad. And I remember just being in the class and stuff. And there was a, there was a weird buzz around him. like people, And I thought they were just buzzed around him because he was like, I don't know, not that great. And over like months and months and months, I was I was coaching him. I then, as we said before, one-on-one training. I then started to coach him one-on-one. This guy became like one of the biggest mentors of my life. He basically ran, I mean, I'm not going to say the name, but like one of the world's biggest, think of the biggest corporations in the world, like top five. He was in charge of one of those. Like crazy, crazy, crazy. And that's exactly what Joe just said then. What I loved when he came to my class Everybody knew who he was. So when he came in, everyone knew who he was. But it's like in that moment, no one cares because I'm like, he's just guy who can't hold a high plank. Like, <laughs> people, yeah, right. You know, I'm sure some people just be like, huh, look at him. He can't even do a high plank. Like people would have enjoyed that. And it yeah. was so true. I can't remember what uh, trainer said it. I think it was Gunner. Who said it's like you know it's this the fairest place it's the fairest place in the, in the, in the world that's it yeah 100 percent. everyone's on an equal playing field yeah and i think this this guy along with a lot of people he taught me a hell of a lot of things and one of the things that i really really taught me which took me to the next level was know your value so as a as a trainer i think your value when you start off is basically on the current market and the other pts in your gym 
So you, you'll kind of go, oh, he's charging this, I'll, I'll kind of charge that. And you think, you know, you wouldn't dare charge any more than that. If you're in your PT studio, maybe there might be one or two people who are quite high up, but the majority of you are probably all within like $20 of each other. You're all, yeah. I mean, I don't relate to like in, in America, but they're all quite similar. And I remember he said my value and he was saying to me, he was like, I have a trainer in New York. He's like, he charges, he charged me $350 an hour. And I was like, what? <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. How's that possible? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was, I remember saying, he was like, people will, people will pay that. There's people out there who will pay it. And I was like, I could never. And he was like, you know, just other people in my gym. He was like, Jay, for me, the value you give to me compared to the other trainers that I've had and compared to the guy I have in New York, you're on the same level as that guy. At the time, I think I was charging like eight, about $80 because yeah. everyone else doesn't charge $80. I, you know, I wouldn't dare go above that. And I was like, how much, okay, how much do I charge? And he said, start with 200 pounds. Joe, let me tell you now, there's no one in London who charges 200 pounds for a PT session. At that time, this is like 2015. Nobody. Yep. And yep. I laughed. I was like, you're insane. No one's paying 200 pounds for a gym session. But he's like, all, all the little touches that you do, you check in with me. It goes beyond just the hour that we have together. You know, I'll, I'll message you and I ask you like, hey, what do you think about this protein snack? What do you think about this meal? And I reply to him. And I was like, doesn't everyone do that? He's like, no, no. Like people, it's like cattle. You An hour, the moment the hour's finished, it's like, it's like they just switch off. They don't know who you are and that's it. Yeah, and I was thinking, he's like, just know your value. So I remember in the gym, and he said, "Promise me the next person that you get, no matter what happens, charge them two hundred pounds." And the trick is, tell them the price. The first person who speaks will lose. I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Say I charge two hundred pounds an hour. Go side, don't say a word. Even if you stare at them for a minute, just don't don't say anything, because that is you putting a full stop. Most people will go, "Oh, my training is isn't that expensive." The moment you say it's not that expensive, no matter what you say, it's going to sound expensive. Whereas if you tell people, okay, my service is, it's an expensive service. You know, I cost more than the average PT, it's 200 pounds, shtum. And I remember at the time I'd lost a few clients because they'd actually moved countries. Joe, I needed this money so bad. Like <laughs> I needed this money. And I was sitting there and I remember I said it and I still remember this guy's name. I remember him looking at me and you know, their eyes just sort of go like, <laughs> yeah. it must have been like 30 seconds i just stared at him inside my internal voice yeah. <laughs> like you're not gonna pay your rent this month what are you doing you're an idiot and i was like oh my god and he just went okay and i literally with my body he didn't know just went <gasps> <laughs> and from that point on that was my weight and i never changed my rate and don't get me wrong I didn't get everybody. You know, I'd say out of 10 people, maybe two. But let me tell you now, if you're charging someone 200 pounds for a PT session compared to 60, the level of service you will give that person is unbelievable. You will never miss an email. You will never, ever, ever be late. You'll never miss a, a nutritional program that you're going to send them. You'll, you'll never, ever do any of those things because you're valuing yourself, you're respecting yourself and you're respecting your time. And they know that too. Yes, they go to a different PT. Yes, they could get charged, you know, 60 to $70 an hour, however much it is. But the service that you'll provide them, the other people in the gym will become your marketing because they will then look at how other people train their clients and they'll be, we've all had it where they go, yeah, yeah, yeah five more, five more. 
yeah, yeah, you do, yeah, sweet. Or they, my biggest thing, they sit down. So when they're working out, they, they just sit down and chill and watch. They let them become your marketing. Don't be afraid to know what your value is. If you truly respect yourself and your work, because it shows. And I promise you now, it will feel daunting to begin with. And it feels like the imposter syndrome is, is, is huge because you're like, I, I couldn't possibly charge this. But if you respect yourself, they respect you too. And that's, that's one of the biggest things that I learned was from that, from that one guy, huge. And that's awesome because I think that actually is probably like one of the top challenges for a lot of people as they try to grow as a trainer. Because like you said, you're in this kind of trap where you still kind of need the money, right? So the yeah. idea of raising your prices is scary because most of us as personal trainers, we're never good with our own money, right? So the idea of charging someone more. But I love what you said is what it forces you to do. That's why for me, I like to make sure that I am doing some regular price increases over time. More so because it's like, hey, if I... If I'm fearful of losing someone, even my current clients, because I make a price increase and they don't stay on, that was my fault. It means I wasn't worth it, right? But I want to be worth it. So it forces me to like level up. So I love that. I think that's huge for anybody listening. It's like if you you want to get to a place, even monetarily wise, I mean, part of it, you can force yourself there, right? Like you said, you know, all of a sudden that was like, it was more than double what you were charging. Um, and then I guarantee you, your training level, boom, popped up right away with those people as well. So I think that's huge. That's awesome. Oh, I think definitely on that. That's what made me then uh, do further education. So I did my level four, did further education just because then I was like, I want to justify it. hundred percent. I was like, some people will train with you because they just, you know, they like who you are and they like, I don't know the way that you look or they like the way that you teach people, but some people will go for the credential. They'll look at that. And I thought, well, how can I be this trainer if I don't have the education to back it up, if I don't have these things? So I think it, although it seems daunting, it's not just the money that you're getting. It is where it will take your career moving forwards because by doing that, you've just put so much respect. You put so much respect on what you do and so much respect on yourself. You're walking around wherever city or wherever country you're from being like, I charge 200 pounds an hour and this is why. Not, you know, I charge 78 and everyone else does. Why should like, why be like everybody else? Just break out that mold. And if people like Joe just said them, if people start to say no, it's probably going to start with you. What am I not doing that people are not going in that number? Don't go, I'll go back down to 70 or 80. Keep your level at that, at that price. Keep it there until you get to a point where people are just like, I need this person. Like, I need this guy. Yeah. And honestly, I think on, on, on that note, it's good marketing. I would always rather be at the high end, right. Of a service. And, you know, literally just today, you know, oftentimes I'll get people reaching out, people tag me in Facebook groups and stuff because of the, you know, Academy teaching personal trainers. And so I had a woman reach out and she just straight in my Facebook DMS, you know, uh, was like, Oh, what's your training rate? Someone tagged you in a, uh, in a thing. And I already know, like, I already know, like you mentioned, two out of 10 for like the rate you're charging probably sounds about right. Like there's one in 10, two in 10 that are going to be the right client for you, but that's perfect. I rather, you know, I'd rather have that. So I have no problem leading with right away. Hey, 175. Um, you know, it's like, don't, don't shy away from it because it's going to make it easier for you. I don't want to waste someone else's time. If I'm so far off of their, you know, if they're expecting to pay 50 bucks, like I'm not going to be the right person. Um, yeah. and so I think it, it works that way too. It's like a pre-qualifier. And I find the people that really value training 
again, same thing for them too. When they're paying 200, I have found over time that as my rates have gone up, I get better clients, like meaning they're more consistent. They're more committed. They value what they're doing so much more. It makes it so much more fun. 100%. I don't know if you've done this before, Joe. Let me know if you have. But people who attend things for free will not get what they're supposed to at the event. They, I promise you now, I've never seen it happen. We've all done this when we first started doing PT. Come and train me for free. Come and train me for the free. I did that when I started. I remember thinking... These people are getting it for free. How are they not? This is free. Again, it's not just the money. It's the level of respect that you have. There yeah. was a, uh, a guy who trained at one of my gyms and he had still to this day, the best marketing in terms of getting clients long-term. He'd say to people, if I don't get you in shape in 12 weeks, I will give you your money back. So we'll sit down together. We'll go, where do you want to be? Obviously, you know, there's a, a mid, mid ground. So you want to get here. Everybody wants to get there. I want to get you there in a good way and that you're not going to fall off the wagon. Let's meet in the middle. Do we agree on this? Perfect. If I don't get you there, I'll give you your money back. And I think you used to charge over a three month period. I think it was like three and a half thousand pounds, which is a lot of money. But yeah. it was like, you know, everything, nutrition, weekly check-ins, in-person training three times a week. Let me yeah. tell you now, that guy had the most results I've ever seen from any trainer ever, because it literally was that, again, the people who are paying the money, I don't know about you, if I'm giving away three and a half grand, I'm getting the value. Like I am making sure. going to make damn sure it happens. I'm squeezing every minute I can out of you, every single minute. If in that time, I guarantee, I mean, he never did it. I guarantee if he had someone who paid three and a half grand for three months and someone for free, the person who paid three and a half grand, I promise you, I would bet my future mortgage on the fact that that person will get an insurmountable result compared to this person. The person 100%. who paid three, I guarantee would just drop off because there's no That's respect, it. no respect for themselves, for the trainer's time. There's nothing. If you pay for it, you will squeeze every last drop. And if they squeeze every last drop out of you, what does that mean for you? You've got to be on your A game. You've got to be focused. You've got to be this person. This person is going to want so much more from me than the person who charges $70. I have to be here at all times and I cannot skip a beat because if I do, that person is going to go, I want my money back or I didn't get my result because of you, not because of them. Yeah. Hey, and I, th I think in that way too, I mean, in a positive way, fear can be a powerful motivator, right? You don't want to fail that person. You want to deliver big. And so if I could take away just for anyone who's listening to my message from some of that is like, first off, know your value. Mm. Um, and don't be afraid to level up your value. Not only like, Hey, what am I worth? But also like, what do I want to be worth? And then how the, f you know, what do I got to do to get there? Cause I think to me, that's, that's always been a motivating mindset for me. And I'm sure hopefully is for others as well as like, I want to be, you know, even here in South Florida, right? If you're not charging over a hundred dollars an hour, like in my mind, I'm not even going to recommend you. Like you're, mm -hmm. you just, you're, you're not putting yourself out there as like a higher level trainer, you know, but if you want to get to 150, 200, whatever, I think it's like, boom, do it and then force yourself into it. I think that's super cool, right? That's not a message everyone talks about when they talk about pricing. Cause like you mentioned, most times it's what's your market value. What's the average kind of hang out in the middle. And in the beginning, you got to do that. But at some stage, if you want to make it long-term, you got to say, where do I need to be? It's, it's even like you. So for example, you are somebody, I have no idea what, what you charge or anything like that, but 
you Joe's got what you call an undeniable stack of proof that Joe is who Joe says he is. So I don't have to click on your Instagram that would lead me to your YouTube, that would lead me to your podcast. I would be able to see, oh, this guy's like at the elite level. Like this guy's right at the top. So I'm prepared for that. I know I'm not going to jump on a call with Joe. Joe's going to go, oh, I'm $50. I'm like, what? Like, I know that. So it's not yeah. only just that. It's yes, put your, your price up. Yes, put your value up 100%. But also like spend time on building that stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say that you are. Because like Joe's there. And I would look at Joe and after seeing him at Techno Gym, I'm like, wow, this guy is like right at the top level. So whatever number he says, I'm like, eh, I kind of guess that. I, I'm yeah, not going to be sure. Sounds, sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. Whereas if you're just some like, you know, some PT, yeah, I do a little bit. And I'm like, oh, here you go. And you go, oh, I charge this. I'd be like, what? You charge what? <laughs> I'd be like, I've seen you in the gym. And don't get me wrong. Like there's only so many eyes in a gym. So yes, yeah. carry pressures in the gym. But yep. it's still the age of social media, whether you like it or not. The amount of eyes that are on you on social media, like if you don't know Joe, you do. You click on his Instagram and you're like, oh, I, I, straight away. I don't even have to click on much. I just, I know he's here. So if I'm going to reach out to this guy, he's there. Like I know he's going to be there. So that's also something that's good for you to do is gain that stack of undeniable proof because then there's no, it makes it easy for you to, because when you say what, how much you charge, if they've done their research on you before, they're, they're going to guess that. They're already going to know. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's a good thing to do. So for uh, for those that are listening to, uh, where's the best place for them to connect with you, right? Because I feel like, gosh, we could we could go for we could go for two hours on all the things that yeah. you know you've you've gone through that you're working on. Um, but I know because again, I you know, and me being able to be connected with you after the event that we initially met, it's a great way for people to kind of learn and, and continue to follow as well. So where are you most active? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook's for old people, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. Where where can people connect with you and uh, and learn from you? Definitely, yeah, definitely Instagram. I think we were that that generation where I tried TikTok. I'm not cool enough. It's just not. yeah, me neither. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to dance. Just... I don't. I got nothing. I'm not going to dance. Like I don't know. No, you, I think you get to a point where I said like you just sort of you just accept where you are and you're just like yeah. nah, I'm, not, I'm not a TikToker. Um, this is yeah, my place. In, Instagram's definitely my main my main thing. Um, Obviously, the the grindhouse, the grindhouse Instagram is our main focus. So yes, we have our own, but grindhouse yep. is the thing that we're following in the most. Problem yep. is when you own a business too, is that we have to think to ourselves, okay, what's going to grow the brand the most? And it's building the community on grindhouse. So yes, your own community is important, but first and foremost, we're like grindhouse. I say is is the main thing that we funnel towards. But yep. me personally, um, I'm very active on Instagram, very active in the DMs, messaging people. Any questions that people have, I love, I'm a bit of a geek. Like I actually love answering them. So if anybody has a question, they're just like, I'm struggling with this or can you reach out to me or whatever? There's loads of things that I had in my time. And I'm sure Joe did too. There were people who were in a, you know, uh, further along the line when I was young who helped me. And without that, I don't think, in the, I don't think I wouldn't be where I am now. So I think it's really important to kind of pass down what you've learned too. So that's what I enjoy doing on social media the most. Um, you know, the videos, stuff like that. I like doing that. But my main thing is polls, questions, help. Like if there's anything that I can help people with, I'm very active on DMs. You can just DM me and just I'll answer your questions. No problem. 
Well, I love it, man. Well, I, I have no doubt I'm gonna I'm gonna be reaching out to try to have you back on the podcast again, especially getting in talking even more about like branding, personal branding, some topics that we didn't talk about quite as much on here. But I would say for anyone who's listening or watching, you know, uh, especially just to kind of relate any let's say things you guys might be trying to figure out, go through. I mean, again, reminder, Jay has not only gone through and, and built his own personal training business over time, but, you know, really worked inside of and built other large group, high energy instructor brands like, you know, Barry's Bootcamp, um, and then gone on to build his own business, right? Where now, you know, the, the transition between, you know, just teaching clients to like now teaching others how to do more of what he has done as well. Um, he's got a lot to offer. So I just say that because I want to encourage you guys to reach out. Um, I already know, like he said on here, he'll be responsive questions you guys might have, um, you know, to to continue to follow him. And I'm excited to see all that you guys have and that you're working on. I know we were talking about some things before, um, constantly evolving. And, yeah. uh, and I appreciate you coming on, man, giving us some time. 